You're listening to OMAG All Access, a podcast about all things affecting municipalities in Oklahoma, hosted by OMAG Executive Director, Susie Paulson. Hi, this is Susie Paulson. I'm here today with Tracy Arvidson, who's the Animal Control... Animal Welfare Coordinator. Sorry, Animal (laughs) Welfare Coordinator for the City of Sand Springs. And I got the benefit of presiding over a session that Tracy did at the OML conference, which was really great. And I learned a lot about animal welfare and different types of grants and services and resources that they could offer their community. And I just thought that would make for a great podcast. So thanks for joining us today, Tracy. Thank you. You know, I think it's interesting some of the grants that you talked about and how really easy some of them were to get from some of these um, foundations that focus on, you know, cats and dogs and other animals. So can you just tell us some of the grants that you've applied for and were awarded for the city of Sand Springs? Sure. We, um, there's a lot of resources out there that are, are really easy to get grants from. Uh, we got one from Maddie's fund. Uh, we got another from Petco foundation and we've gotten, we've won challenges through Maddie's Fund as well, which are like $3,000. So, I mean, every little bit helps for sure. We got a grant to build a catio for the cats. So we have a little room where they run free and then they can go out in the catio and come back in. So that's really fun. We got all brand new cages, courtesy of a grant. We got a foster grant so that we could help our foster parents with crates and food and supplies that they need while they're fostering. So there's a lot of them out there. They're, they have a national call once a week that you can get on, and it's animal welfare leaders from all over the country and some even from Canada. And they also have a grant there that they give away $10,000 a month just for being on the calls. So they do a drawing, and it's there's lots and lots of ways to get stuff. Yeah, and it sounds like maybe some of the grants are, as long as you're using it for the purposes of animal welfare in your community, you can use it as you choose. Right. Yes, they don't have a lot of restrictions on them, so it's been really great. We've been able to spread them, you know, through several projects. Yeah, I really like the catio idea. (laughs) I just have a visual of the cats going in and out and climbing on. They love it. Yeah, yeah. You know, what are some other things that you have to deal with on a daily basis um, in animal welfare? We deal with all the enforcement of the ordinance. So anything like dogs at large, um, animal bites, animal fights, any of that kind of thing, we're dealing with that. We also, if people pass away, we go in and get their animals if they have them, hold them until the family decides what they can do with the animals. We've had to go in a lot of times when the dogs are protecting the person and won't let the emergency people in. So we have to go in and get the dog before they can even go in and get the person. So it's all different kinds of things. You know, we deal with hoarding situations as well. Those are always really sad. And it's um, it's a lot of stuff to get involved with, with adult protective services and all that kind of thing was, uh, to go along with. You know, you got to help the people to be able to help the animals. So we pick up strays, pick up injured. We pick up injured wildlife. So we deal a lot with that. We do adoptions, of course, at the shelter. Uh, We also work with a lot of rescue organizations to transfer our animals to them so that they can have a better chance of getting adopted. We have volunteers, we have foster parents, all kinds of stuff. We just got a grant to bring in a group called Dogs Playing for Life, 
And we got to do a two-day training and we invited other shelters and they came and these people showed us how to do safely have the dogs interacting in play groups so that they can get out of the kennels and have a, you know, burn off some of that energy and that frustration of being in those kennels 24 seven. So we have volunteers that come and let the dogs out twice a day, but this grant really showed us how to get those dogs being social with other dogs, which is also going to help them get adopted. Wow. What a great idea. So many things that would have never occurred to me. <laughs> I mean, hence why I wanted to do this podcast, because I know other people would like to hear about these resources because you don't know what you don't know. Right, right. right. Yeah. You mentioned that you have some ordinances. Does um, animal welfare um, enforce those ordinances or at some point does the police department have to step in? How do you guys handle that? Because I know that's different in every city. It is different in every city and it sometimes depends on if you're under the police department in your uh, departments in your city as well. We are not under the police department. We are under neighborhood services, but we do write citations, go to court just like, you know, the police would do on their citations as well. So we write for dog at large, um, animals not being spayed or neutered, animals not having rabies, vaccinations, having too many animals, all that kind of thing. Okay. So I'm assuming you have ordinance for all ordinances for all those things in your ordinance book. and Yes, we do. We've got a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. Do you take the opportunity and, and look at those and revise those as time goes on, or are those some pretty solid ordinances that you have? No, we've revised them a lot. When I first started at Sand Springs, they did not have a spay-neuter ordinance. So that was one of the first things that I wanted to be put in, because you just can't really get ahead of the overpopulation problem without being proactive and sterilizing the animals. We can't adopt our way out of the problem. There's just no way. There's not enough homes. So that was an ordinance that we put in um, after I started. We're getting ready to try to do um, a tethering ordinance where you won't be able to have your dogs tethered 24-7. They'll only be allowed to be tethered a certain amount of time so that they're not just, I mean, when, when people put them in the backyard and just forget about them, a lot of times those are the dogs that get loose and run, run the neighborhoods. And sometimes they're aggressive because they just haven't had human interaction. So there's all kinds of, you know, issues with that. It's just not good for the dog at all. So we're going to try to do that. We're also going to do one for defecating in other people's yards for uh, the, the pets, of course, not the people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that and there's just there's a few things um, you can, you know, the ordinance is a, a work in progress, I think, all the time depending on what the environment, you know, calls for. Yeah. And I'm assuming that depending on the time of the year, you might have, you know, during the summer and spring when everybody's walking their animals. And I know it's a big issue in my neighborhood and (laughs) will probably maybe hard to enforce. But, you know, with all these uh, cameras that people have on their houses and ring doorbells, it's a little... (laughs) little easier to catch people who are letting their It is. And we use those a lot. We use those when we go to court, you know, because like with the barking ordinance, you know, people will call and say, well, the dog's been barking at midnight every night. Well, we're not going to know that because we're not on duty. By the time they call a police officer out, the dogs have quit barking. So the only way to really have proof of it is to record or have them on camera or anything like that. Yeah, that's really changed a the way a lot of these things can get enforced, because I know in the past that hasn't been... Right, it's really hard, yes. OMAG All Access would like to thank you for listening to this podcast. For your time, we would like to offer you the chance to win a pair of OMAG All Access Bluetooth headphones. To enter, all you have to do is head to www.omag.org forward slash all access. 
and click on the corresponding image at the top of the screen. The password for each episode will change, so make sure you are always up to date on the newest episode of OMAG All Access by subscribing with your favorite podcast app. Follow the directions on the giveaway page and you will be entered. Good luck. Well, what are some other challenges that um, you are facing in the animal welfare arena these days? Um, the biggest challenge is just that there's just too many pets. There's a lot of, you know, the cats that are running stray in the neighborhoods, and that comes from people either having them and moving off and leaving them, or just if they want them to be indoor-outdoor. Depends on if your city has an ordinance for cats to be on what they call a leash law. We do not have that ordinance, so we have a community cat program. So we trap, neuter, and release those cats so that they're not reproducing. That's just the best we can do for them. We can't place all those cats into homes because a lot of them aren't really social. So they've grown up outside and with no human interaction. So we trap them, we neuter them, and we tip their ear so that we know who's been done when we're working on colonies and we put them back out there. Um, We work with people on that front, though, to, you know, some people don't want cats in their yard or digging in their garden or, you know, defecating in their yard and that kind of thing. So we work with them on um, deterrents that are humane uh, to keep the cats out of their yards and just things that they don't think about, you know, leaving out bird seed and stuff. It, It attracts all kinds of animals, not just cats, but then you have rats raccoons and skunks and possums and everything. So there's just a lot of education that we do on on just a daily basis. There's just so many things that people don't really know or haven't thought about. Yeah. Well, speaking of the the raccoons and the Mm -hmm. possums, do you guys get asked to come out and trap animals like that? We do. We're kind of trying to get away from doing that unless they're injured or sick because we just we have it all day long people are wanting us to trap things and it's just it takes up so much time so we're a small shelter so we we have only two of us full-time on staff and a part-time kennel tech so there's just not enough time in the day to do dogs and cats and wildlife and just everything so (laughs) yeah well do you partner with any wildlife organizations that Um, could help with that we do we um, partner with wildlife rehabbers So when we get a sick or injured animal, we can get it to them so that they can evaluate and get it better and get it released. Yeah, it sounds like these partnerships and things like that are really important, especially when you only have two full-time and such a large population of Yes, yeah, it it definitely helps. And having the volunteers is just a lifesaver. I mean, they come out, you know, every day and their dedication just, you know, floors me every day because they're there. And it's not easy, you know, working with the dogs that, don't know anything. People haven't taught them any manners and they jump on you and they're, you know, mouthing on you and all kinds of stuff. And so they try to teach them, you know, how to walk on a leash, how to sit, how to, you know, not bolt through the door when you open the kennel and all that kind of stuff that's going to help them with a new home that we just would never have time to do. Yeah. So tell me more about your volunteer program. Is it, you said they come every day. I mean, do you have consistent volunteers or do you do volunteer drives or how do you do that? We have um, some really good core volunteers, but we're always looking for more volunteers. So I do try to promote that on social media and we get in new volunteers pretty often. And it's just a matter of if it's really something for you and if you have time to do it, um, it takes some dedication, just like any volunteering does. But it's really worth it. And it to see the animals, you know, come in in horrible condition or, you know, just really in trouble or totally terrified. And then they go out and they get a new home and they're happy and have a great life. I mean, it's really rewarding for them as well. 
So do you have volunteers that will foster animals? Mm -hmm. We sure do, yes. Usually animals that are too small for adoption with their moms, they'll go foster them until they're old enough to be spayed or neutered. We don't release anything unless it's spayed or neutered. So they have to weigh a certain amount, you know, to be able to have surgery. And we do that with injured animals as well. We've got one that is in foster care right now that has a fracture in his back leg. So Mm -hmm. he's been in a splint and he's hated it the whole time, (laughs) but he's been in foster care and doing great and splint is off and he's going to be ready for adoption soon. Well, awesome. What else? I mean, what, what are some, how long have you been in this position? I've been at Sand Springs in this position for five years. Um, I've been doing animal welfare for about 20 years. Okay. And so what are, you know, just some of the things you wish everybody knew? I really wish everybody knew to spay and neuter. And I always come back to that, but it's just really the only way. And people don't think about it. A lot of times, for some reason, men are um, very hesitant to neuter their dogs. Yeah. <laughs> and we always have to you know, explain it's it's the dog, not you. So, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it's just different things that people don't think about. And they think, well, if my dog has puppies, I, I know seven people that are going to want my puppies. Well, that's great. But what if those seven people can't keep those dogs forever? What if you're giving them away or selling them unsterilized and then they have more dogs? And so it's just, it's a vicious cycle. And we just, we wish people would understand that spay and neuter is the only way and it's the most healthy way for the animals. And that's just the big one. That's number one. Yeah. So what does the, does the animal welfare division department, does it offer spay and neutering or do they offer grants or do you have spay and neutering drives or how do you try to push that out? Um, other than just education? it's We will help if we can. We're not in a position to spay and neuter everybody's animal for free. We just, the city just can't do that. But we do help when we can. If people just absolutely cannot afford it or they're having a really rough time, we'll help. They can volunteer and, you know, do other things to try to help us out as well. So we kind of try to, try to do a trade-off with them. But for the most part, it just people don't think about it. And they don't see it happening. And, you know, if you let your cat indoor, outdoor, you don't necessarily see that cat going out and making babies. And they do. They do it all the time. Cats can have three to four litters a year now. It's crazy. They go into heat at five months. Oh, wow. So at six months, they're having kittens. And it's just insane. So um, people just don't realize. And it's just, it's no fault of anyone's other than um, the animal welfare professionals to get that, you know, education out there so that people understand. Do you guys have adoption fairs or anything like that? We do adoption events off-site, yes. Uh, we did a big adoption event that Oklahoma Animal Alliance puts on called Wolfstock. And it was a lot of fun. We had every dog that went out there got adopted. So it was great. I mean, I bet they had they had to have 20,000 people at that event. I mean, it was it was crazy. And it was all rescue animals. And where was that? It was at the Riverwalk in Jinx. Oh, awesome. Yeah, it was really neat. They have it every year. And it's it's one of the biggest ones. We're doing one with Southern Agriculture coming up. We have the Herbal Affair that we do, which is a Sand Springs event. And we try to do it as often as we can, but again, we're just we're just a small shelter, so we don't really have the capacity to do some of what the larger shelters can do and be in the PetSmart stores every week and all that kind of thing. Yeah, with just two employees and right. some volunteers, that's probably hard to do. Well, is there, there any other 
tidbits that you'd like to share with the listeners before we sign off? Well, I always say it's not rocket science to keep your dog in, but I feel like I'm changing that because it seems like rocket science, but that's just another thing. You know, the dogs, when they're out, um, you just don't know. You think your dog is super friendly and social, but you would be surprised. I mean, I went to get a dog the other day that the police were called out on and he was super aggressive. I mean, I had to go in and get him with the catch pole and it took me a good 30 minutes to catch him. And then he was just wild and crazy. And when the guy came to pick him up, he was just like, oh my gosh, my dog's so friendly. I'm like, no, not when he's not, when he's not with you. He's not. <laughs> yeah. I think people just don't understand that. They, right. they think of the dog's great when they're with me and right. you know, they don't, they don't see that attack mode or that defensive mode that the animal goes into when right and then if they bite someone then you're in trouble because you've got you know quarantine on your animal you've got to pay the the person's hospital bills if they have to go to the hospital and it's just a big mess so just keeping your dogs in on your property is the best thing to do yeah yeah well thank you tracy i appreciate it and if anybody wants copies of these ordinances i'm sure they're on the sand springs website or somewhere like that but if you would you mind giving your email address in case anybody wanted to reach out sure it's animal control at sandspringsok.org okay well just reach out to tracy if there was something that she said today that resonated with you and um, thank you again all right thank you We hope you can take something away from this podcast that will help your city or town. You can find more information about OMAG on our website at www.omag.org or on our Facebook page. Thanks for listening. If you have questions or ideas for a podcast topic, please send them to allaccess at omag.org. On the next episode of OMAG All Access... Ideally, the driver would um, uh, enter the car after completing the 360, and they would do all of the perfunctory mirror adjustments and seat adjustments. Uh, many of our people share vehicles. We have pool mm-hmm. vehicles. Um, you know, Cody has an assigned vehicle, so he doesn't have to adjust the seat every time or the mirrors. Uh, but uh, if you're in a pool vehicle, you're probably going to have to adjust the seat and adjust the mirrors. And we want that done before the, the vehicle is powered up. Uh, so you, you start making those adjustments, make sure your seat belt's on, make all of your adjustments. Uh, and then uh, once you start the vehicle, uh, we also recommend a, you know, before you put it into motion, you honk the horn uh, before you start your backwards motion with the vehicle. This episode is copyright OMAG 2022 under the Creative Commons 4.0 Attribution, Non-Commercial, No Derivatives International License. For more information, please visit creativecommons.org.